You're listening to another episode of The Zag. Eric Sob here. Lots in the news. So happy to be joined by Joel Frost Tift, a 2014 NLC fellow, longtime governing board member, and somebody who has the background and experience in his professional life to answer a lot of the questions about things that are happening in our world today. So let's get to it. All right, Joel, give us the, the short answer about what your professional life entails. What do you do for a living? Uh, so I represent people that are in removal proceedings, um, which means that the government is trying to remove them from the United States. And so all the things that have been happening for many years and have, have coalesced in some really horrible stuff happening recently. Let's start with what went down today with Trump, uh, with his executive order, uh, essentially changing the separation policy to putting families in detention centers instead of just kids by themselves. What was your take on what happened today? So what happened today is a little weird because what Trump did is he issued an executive order uh, ending the family separation policy. Um, and the reason that's a little weird is because, uh, well, for one, the family separation policy was never really any official policy. It was never codified. There was no executive order. It was just something that the Trump administration did. So if the Trump administration wanted to end this policy, they didn't even need to issue an executive order, um, which they chose to do. Um, and the other thing that was odd about it is, um, so it essentially what had happened after the, the policy was revealed is first the Secretary of Homeland Security said that the policy didn't exist. And then um, after that, Trump, Trump said, uh, admitted to the policy, but blamed it on Democrats and essentially said that there was nothing he could do that Congress had to act. So it's definitely a big reversal um, because he went from saying that his hands were tied and that Congress needed to act to issuing an executive order uh, that addressed it without any input from, from, from Congress. So is there anything hopeful in what he did today? I mean, obviously there's still thousands of kids who've been separated and retained and, and it's unclear if the government knows where they are, but at least in this moment in this afternoon, is there anything hopeful from it? Um, is there anything hopeful from the executive order? Yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, I would say the hopeful thing is that it, it does show that um, Trump is the Trump administration is susceptible to public opinion. Uh, I would say that this definitely wouldn't have happened if it weren't for the widespread outrage uh, across social media and all the protests and all the people uh, calling their Congress, their members of Congress. Um, however, I do have some reservations about it as well um, because instead of simply ending uh, the family se separation policy, what um, Trump did, um, well, so I, I should explain, there's, so there's something called the Flores Settlement, um, which happened back in 1997. And the Flores Settlement arose out of a case, uh, there was a 15-year-old girl um, that was in detention um, with, adult men and women uh, and was subject to daily strip searches. And so there was a lawsuit that arose out of that case. And what happened is there were certain rules that were promulgated for how the government has to deal with, um, with minors who are detained. And one of the requirements is that it has to put them in the least restrictive setting possible. 
Um, and so one of the things that means is that in most cases, um, instead of going to more traditional detention centers, they're put in um, these uh, centers for children run by the by ORR, um, the Office of Refugee Resettlement. Um, and then for families, um, there there's a set there's a special program um, that was used for families. And so the Trump administration actually just ended this program. Um, and this was a program that allowed, that allowed minors to stay with their families. Um, and it sort of kept tabs on them and ensured that they would go to court. And it actually had, um, had a really high success rate in terms of making sure that people actually attended their court hearings. There was a 99.6% attendance rate in court. Um, but this program was effectively ended, uh, actually, I believe today. And so what I gather from this executive order, although some things are a little bit unclear, is that um, they're not returning to implementing this program. Instead, they're going to uh, detain children with their parents in adult detention centers in violation of the Flores Settlement. And um, so what it seems like is actually happening here is that the Trump administration is um, is direct in is enacting this executive order in direct violation of what the um, the rules set by the courts, which means it's likely to get overturned. And then what I think is likely to happen is the Trump administration is simply going to go back to implementing this uh, child separation policy and is going to blame it on the courts and essentially say that its hands are tied um, instead of simply returning to this program, uh, which is called the family case management program. And then can I ask, so in the meantime, while the courts, it sounds like we'll have to sort some of this out, can Congress take any action that would make whatever the court decides moot because a legislative act that they pass and then would try to get Trump to sign could put some of the things into, into place that could protect these kids and protect the families as best that you can? Yeah, so there's actually, there's a bill, there's a pretty simple bill um, that's put forward in the Senate right now um, that would essentially just end this uh, family separation policy without violating um, the Flores Agreement, um, without detaining uh, children in adult detention centers. Uh, and this this bill is right now co- co-sponsored by all 49 Democrats in the Senate, uh, but no Republicans. Um and then Republicans have put forward a couple of bills of their own, um, but these bills would end the separation policy, but they also threw some other things in the bill that they knew wouldn't be super popular that some would say are, are kind of poison pills. Um, and so it's unclear exactly what's going to happen in Congress. And it's also, it's possible that based on this executive order, some of this legislation, some of the momentum for this legislation will stall. Um, and it's possible that they'll just wait to kind of see what happens. Um, they'll wait to see how Trump's executive order plays out in the courts. So it's really kind of hard to, to know what will happen legislatively right now. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if Congress backs off a little bit, um, particularly the Republicans in Congress and just wait for this to play out in the courts. And then in terms of any optimism for, the kids who have been separated and stolen from their families, 
being re- reunited with those family members, what are your feelings on that being able to happen? Yeah, well, so that's another um, that's another thing that, that's kind of sad about all this is, um, so I actually just read today that um, there was some Trump administration official that was interviewed, I believe anonymously, um, about what would happen to the kid to some of the kids that would already that have already been separated and said basically that he thinks some of these kids will never end up being reunited with their parents. Um, and part of what's unfortunate about what's happened is that in addition to being separated, in addition to families being separated from their children, in some cases, the families don't even know where their children are and have specifically been asking, um, where their children are and ICE has refused to tell them. Um, and there are actually some lawsuits, uh, going forward right now with the ACLU. Uh, so that'll be interesting too, to see what happens with those lawsuits that are going on right now. There's actually, there's so many lawsuits going on, um, with the ACLU challenging various policies. Um, you know, they're, they're challenging the, the child separation. They're challenging, um, the, the policy of not telling certain parents where their children are. Um, they're also challenging, um, so in some cases, uh, ICE has been refusing to allow people to apply for asylum at a port of entry, um, which is actually, we're required to do by law. Um, you know, some people don't realize this, but some of the people that are applying for asylum didn't cross into the U.S. illegally. They, they turned themselves in at a port, port of entry as they're allowed to do by law, uh, and they applied for asylum that way. Um, and in some cases, uh, we've refused uh, to let them apply for asylum, which is definitely a direct violation of national law and international law. And in some cases, we have let them apply for asylum, uh, but we've also separated um, those parents from their children, um, which goes contrary to, to what um, the Trump administration and some of its defenders have been saying as well. Um, because some of them are making the argument that this is only happening because, uh, the parents need to be charged criminally. And that's why they're being separated from the children because the children can't be held by us marshals. Um, but the existence of the fact that some people are being separated when they haven't even broken the law and they've been applying for asylum at ports of entry. Um, and that some of those cases are going forward right now really contradicts that point. Got it. Well, when we come back, well, we'll come back. A little more history on how we got here. Using to the Zag, we'll be right back. Yeah, how can you briefly set up some context about how similar dis or dissimilar things are now to what was going on in the Obama era? Yeah, so um as you may know, the Obama administration also received a lot of flack for some of their immigration policies. Um, and I would say in particular, there was a policy that prioritized uh, minors for deportation. Um, so basically, they were kind of put, um, they were kind of, there was a fast track for, for, um, for minors in removal cases. Like they were given priority over other cases the idea that those were who were going to be deported would be deported more quickly. Um, 
And, you know, the idea was that the cases would be resolved quickly um, and that it was supposed to act as a deterrent for people that were coming. But the, the Obama administration um, received a lot of flack from immigration advocates, um, you know, in part because it was, they were children. Um, and that's how he earned the moniker deporter in chief from some people. Um, and so you have, you have immigration advocates mostly on the left who are critical of Obama for that, but you also now have, you have folks on the right that are sort of weaponizing that. And every time something happens under the Trump administration are trying to point to something Obama did and saying, you know, Obama did all the same things. Like you're being hypocritical if you're only criticizing Trump. Um, but you know, while, while it's true, you know, I, I would definitely, you know, as an immigration attorney, I had many differences with um, Obama administration policy on immigration. There are definitely some important differences to note. Um, there was no family separation policy under the Obama administration. Um, and one thing I think some people, one thing, one thing that I've seen some people conflate is um, unaccompanied minors versus minors who came with their parents. Um, and so Basically, what happens with unaccompanied minors is those are kids that have crossed the border themselves uh, without a parent. Um, an unaccompanied minor is generally anyone who's under 18 who's crossed the border without a parent. Um, and so some people are pointing to things that happened under the Obama administration. For example, it is true that, um, that unaccompanied minors who crossed the border were sent to these ORR shelters, um, you know, by themselves temporarily. Um, but they weren't being separated from their family because these were minors that had in fact crossed by themselves without a parent. And they were usually kept for less than 20 days at these shelters. And generally when they were brought to these shelters, um, if there was a parent in the country, uh, whether the parent had status or not, that a parent, the parent was usually immediately contacted, and then they began the process of releasing the child to the parent um, within that 20-day window. And, you know, I don't think there were very many cases of parents not knowing where their children were. I think generally within a couple days of a child being detained or a child turning themselves in at a port of entry and requesting asylum, uh, the parents were contacted to inform them of where the child was. And the parents would generally fly in to wherever the child was being kept to, to pick the child up. Or if there was no parent in, in the country, then usually it was the closest relative. Um, now, what's happening under the Trump administration is that children are coming in with their parents. And even though they came together, are then being separated. Um, and that, that didn't happen um, or at least in, if it did, I think it was pretty rare under the Obama administration because the Obama administration usually used this family case management program, um, which allowed families to be placed into the program together. Um, and so that's, you know, that's a big difference between the Obama administration and the Trump administration. Um, and there are, there are definitely a lot of um, changes that the, the Trump administration has made um, 
things that the Obama administration didn't do. You know, I don't have time to get into all of them. But um, one, th- one thing that I think is important to mention um, is a couple of the cases that came out recently. Um, and so just to explain briefly about how immigration court works. So I think most people learn at some point in high school um, in like a civics or government class that there's, um, there's the district court and then above the district court is the appellate courts. And then above the appellate courts is the Supreme Court. Uh, and for immigration court, it's slightly different. The top two levels are, this, are the same, the Supreme Court and the appellate court. Um, but there's no real equivalent to the district court. And instead, there are two levels below the appellate court. Um, and the lowest level is the immigration judge. And the, the level above the immigration judge is the Board of Immigration Appeals. Um, but what's different about the immigration judge and the Board of Immigration Appeals is that they're not an independent branch like like the district courts are and like the circuit courts and the Supreme Court are. Um, Those courts are all part of an independent judicial branch, whereas the Immigration Court and the Board of Immigration Appeals are actually directly underneath uh, the Justice Department, which is run by Jeff Sessions. Um, And so what's really unique about that is that actually gives Sessions the power to essentially overrule any case himself um, that is at the immigration court or board of immigration appeals level. Um, And so within the past couple of weeks, there were a couple of major decisions um, enacted by Sessions, one of which uh, severely restricted um, the grounds in which people can apply for asylum. Um, it, it'll make it likely extremely difficult for someone who's a victim of domestic violence to apply for asylum and also pretty difficult for people who are victims of gang violence to apply for asylum. Um, and this ruling is pretty significant, you know, I think is going to have a drastic effect on people applying for asylum. It's not something that's gotten quite as much attention as the family separation policy. You know, I don't think it lends itself quite as well to viral images but it's something that I think is going to have a huge effect on um, people that are seeking asylum in the United States. And um, there will definitely be some effort to, to fight this at the higher level, at the circuit courts, um, potentially at some point in the Supreme Court. Uh, but for now, it's going to make it very difficult um, for people who are applying for asylum on those grounds. And then last thing, what would be the best way for people to support your efforts and other people's efforts fighting the good fight for these kids and these families? What kind of things would you, would you suggest? Um, yeah, so there, there are a few different things that I think are helpful. I'm, for anyone that has, um, for anyone that's licensed to practice law, I would say uh, taking on a pro bono case is really helpful. Um, you know, I think some people might feel a little bit intimidated if they have no experience with immigration law. Um, but, you know, immigration organizations are used to um, placing cases with people that don't have much experience with immigration law. And a lot of organizations like my own, Espadon's Immigrant Rights Project, um, would be happy to work with these attorneys, um, you know, in order to teach them and guide them and, you know, would make sure that the first case that they take is not going to be one that they can't handle. Um, 
in addition, I think donating to organizations for people that can donate is very helpful. Um, both the organizations that are um, providing direct representation to immigrants, uh, as well as to organizations like the ACLU that are um, doing what's called impact litigation. And then also, um, not even just to legal organizations, but to organizations that are, you know, providing relief um, and supplies to immigrants at some of these uh, detention centers. Um, and then another way, of course, is, you know, to, to contact your representatives, um, you know, to encourage them to speak out not only about the family separation policy, but about some of these other immigration policies enacted by the Trump administration. Uh, and then, of course, we have the midterms coming up in November, um, you know, and supporting candidates that um, that support protecting immigrants is helpful. Got it. Listen, thanks for all the good work you're doing. Keep up the keep up the fight, and thanks for everyone for listening to this episode of the Zag. You can find all past episodes on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, also in the new Google Podcast app. Uh, so it's transitioned over from the Google Play Store. Now it's its own podcast thing. You can find us there. We're live and able to be heard there as well. So thanks for listening. We'll have more episodes coming soon. Stay tuned.